the Hot Rod Bible Study, where tonight we're going to be continuing our study in the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll be in chapter 5, beginning at the 8th verse. Um, This is continuing on with uh, Solomon talking about how vain all the chasing after the pleasures of uh, the world. He'd be one to know because he sure did that. You know, it's kind of funny. Here, God gave him all the wisdom uh, and everything, and yet he was unwise in his decisions how to do things. And that just shows the human condition. You know, there's none of us that are going to be perfect, and we'll do some silly things. And here, uh, Solomon's been talking about all these silly things. And so that's we're continuing on through. Uh, again, Ecclesiastes is only... 12 chapters long, so we'll be, be out of it, oh, middle of, middle of next month, I guess. So that'll be pretty neat. So with that, let's uh, open with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we get to be together. As always, thank you for your word and the opportunity to study your word. Please open our hearts and minds to your word. Please send your Holy Spirit upon me to direct me and keep me from doing something silly. And I pray this in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. All right, here we are. Chapter 5, verse 8 says, If you see the oppression of the poor and the violent perversion of injustice and righteousness in a province, do not marvel at the matter. For high officials watch over high official, and higher officials over them. Moreover, the profit of the land is for all. Even the king has served from the field. He who loves silver will never be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. There is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches kept for their owner to his hurt, but those riches perish through misfortune. When he begets a son, there is nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came. And he shall take nothing from his labor, which he may carry away within his hand. And this also is a severe evil. Just exactly as he came, so shall he go. And what profit has he who has labored for the wind? All his days he also eats in darkness, and he has much sorrow and sickness and anger, given him power to, well, wait a minute, and anger. There we go. There, oh, just about missed an entire paragraph. How about that? Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. 
For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life, because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is common among men. A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor, so that he lacks nothing for himself all he, of all he desires, yet God does not give him power to, to eat of it, but a foreigner consumes it. This is vanity, and it is an evil affliction. If a man begets a hundred children, lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with goodness, or indeed he has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better than he. For it comes in vanity and departs in darkness, and its name is covered with darkness. Though it is not seen the sun, nor anything, or known anything, this has more rest than that man, even if he lives a thousand years twice, but has not seen goodness. Do not all go to one place. All the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the soul is not satisfied. For what more has the wise man than the fool? What does the poor man have who knows how to walk before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desire. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Whatever one is, he has been named already, for it is known that he is a man, and he cannot contend with him who is mightier than he. Since there are many things that increase vanity, how is man better? For who knows what is good for man in life all the days of his vain life, which he, which he passes like a shadow? Who can tell a man what will happen after him under the sun? And that's where we're going to stop. Again, here's <clears throat> Solomon talking about the vanity of chasing after things in this world. Goes on again, verse 8 says, If you see the oppression of the poor and the violent perversion of justice and righteousness in a province, do not marvel at the matter, for high officials watch over high official, and higher officials over them. So here's the big news flash that Solomon has for us. Political, corrupt, political corruption is nothing new. It's the same stuff has been going on all these many years. Okay, After, after uh, Adam and Eve fell into sin, Things have been corrupted, and political corruption is one of the greater corruptions. I like that. It says, hey, don't marvel at the at the fact that they've got high officials look over a high official and a higher official looks after them. They're corrupt. Just what it is. Verse 9, moreover, the profit of the land is for all, even if the king is served from the field. That's kind of strange sounding, but uh, E.M. Zer says that, no one is independent of the necessities of the earth's providence. Okay, no one is uh, exempt or independent from what we have that is grown in the field is what they're talking about. Here's what the land is. Okay, we all, whether poor or middle class or king or whatever, we all profit from what is grown so we can eat. It's that simple says, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. 
He who loves abundance with increase, not be satisfied with that. This also is vanity. Big deal is greed is insatiable. Uh, I think we have seen that. I think we've probably all experienced it. Maybe we even experienced it ourselves. When we get this, oh, I got to get more of that. I got to get more of that and all that. And, you, and you, you can never satisfy yourself. And I think that we see this more in uh, non-believing people who are chasing, as uh, Solomon says here, after, after uh, things under the sun. Uh, because you're trying to get satisfaction out of the material things that you receive in life. Verse 11 says, when goods increase, they increase who eat them, which means that when you have a bunch of stuff, a lot more people are going to show up to help you spend it, whether it be money or material things or food. There, If you got a lot of stuff, there will be hangers-on that show up that want to help you spend whatever you have. So what profit have the owners except to see them in their eyes? And it's kind of like a, a miser staring at uh, at all of his gold, if you think of back in Old Testament times. And he's just looking at it, boy, this is really great. Uh, but what good is it? You know, it's, it does nothing. It does nothing. Verse 12 says, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. In other words, you get um, a rich guy sparing the loss of his wealth. He stays up late at night, but somebody who uh, works hard, I, I don't know if you guys have experienced this. I bet everybody that I'm, that's within the sound of my voice has is that when you have a really good day of hard work, okay, not not necessarily um, hard work like working your brain too much, but like a lot of hard stuff like doing yard work, painting, whatever, and you sit down at the end of the day and you're dog tired, boy, you got a good night's sleep. You know, I, I really would rather be physically than mentally tired at the end of the day. And that's what he's talking about. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Verse 13, there's a severe evil which I have seen under the sun. He keeps saying that, which is what again? In the world. Okay. Riches kept for their owner to his hurt. Hmm. Let's look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, and here's a quote that people misquote. Here's a verse that people, pardon me, a verse that people misquote all the time. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know, everybody, you know, you hear it quoted as, oh, uh, money is a root of all evil. No, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Money's not bad. Money allows us, money allows us to be inside this place. You know, money allows us to do things like, um, buy somebody who needs something like food or whatever. Money allows us to do that, but it's the love of it that is the issue. It's a root of all kinds of evil. And there it is. It says, riches kept for their owner to his hurt. The love of money. 
Verse 14 says, but these, those riches perish through misfortune. When he begets a son, there is nothing in his hand. You know, wealth can disappear just as easily as it appears. Uh, I was watching something on Faceplant where they had this gal come in wanting to get the money out of her bank account and said, well, you know, it's a joint account, so you really need to have your husband here. She says, no, my father put this in for me. Well, the guy ends up saying, well, the problem is that there's no money in your account. Your husband spent it all. (laughs) Things can go out just as easily as they come in. And again, um, when you put your trust in wealth, it's like Solomon says here, it's all vanity. You can't put your money in wealth. Um, I've had times in my life when I've been broke, you know, and not to my, not for my own uh, doing. Well, if I had, if I'd paid more attention, I guess it could have been something I could have stopped, but it happened. Uh, but guess what? I, I think a lot of us might have the same experiences when you're, trying to rub two nickels together to get something to eat, uh, you look back on those uh, days and you say, you know, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't so bad. It kept me from doing a lot of other stuff that I didn't need to do. Okay, now, verse 15. As he came from his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came. He shall take nothing from his labor which he may carry away in his hand. In other words, at the end of his life, he can't carry anything away. Everybody's heard the saying that you do not see any U-Haul trailers traveling behind a hearse. You can't take it with you. Okay, It's, again, the idea of placing all your trust in the things that you own is a bad idea. Verse 16 says... And this also is a severe evil. Just exactly as he came, so he, so shall he go. And what profit has he who has labored for the wind? And again, not for the Lord. We're going to look over here in Colossians. Sure we are. So I get my fingers to work. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 where it says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does not wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there will be no partiality. Okay, so there is profit for doing things as to the Lord. Now, verse 17, all his days he also eats in darkness, and he has much sorrow and sickness and anger. You know, even the rich suffer these things, sorrow, sickness, and anger. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. You're still going to suffer these things. Verse 18, here is what I've seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor for which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which, here it is, which God gives him for his heritage. Um, 
pretty much Solomon saying, be grateful all the days that God gives you. You know, uh, live life to the fullest. And I don't mean in a hedonistic lifestyle of doing whatever feels good and doing that, but live life in a manner in which you do what you can and don't sweat things. You know, don't sweat the small stuff, as they say. And it turns out a lot of times everything's small stuff. Okay. Verse 19, as every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and giving him the, and given him the power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. Okay, be thankful. Now we're going to talk about here later not being able to have the power to eat of it from the riches and wealth. These things change. So be thankful from gift of God, for he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. So chasing after wealth and all these things, chasing after things that... um that will bring you uh, temporary happiness, uh, again, uh, does not bring joy to the heart at the end. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, There is an evil where I have seen under the sun and in the world, and it is common among men. A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor. Okay, these are gifts from God. So that he lacks nothing for himself. All he desires, yet God does not give him the power to eat of it, just as we talked in the last last chapter, okay? But a foreigner, a stranger, consumes it. This is vanity and affliction, and an evil affliction. Okay, just because you receive these gifts, there is no guarantee that you're going to be around to enjoy them, okay? In other words, don't place your trust in in material things. Uh, you've probably heard this story before. It's under the parable of the rich fool, Luke 12, chapter, uh, verse 16, where it says, Then he spoke a parable to them. And Jesus is speaking this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yield plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, Oh, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? He said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many good things laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Right? We've heard that. I, I got to go. I'm sorry. My mind's going this way. My brother saw a really neat T-shirt with the three stooges on it. said, eat, drink, and beat Larry. Okay. So anyway, my, my soul's be able to be merry then. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will will those things of which you have provided? said, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There it is. If you build up all this stuff, somebody else just might eat it because you may not get it. Verse 3, if a man begets a hundred children and lives many years, 
so that the days of his years are many. This really is a, an, an Old Testament uh, sign of prosperity. You know, if you, if you see about, oh, about Job, how many, how many kids did he have? How much property did he have? You know, all this kind of stuff. You know, this was the thing, and he was getting along in age. This was a sign that you were doing good, right? Okay. Now, but if his soul is not satisfied with goodness, or indeed he has no burial, which means dying without God, dying without hope. Okay, I say that a stillborn child is better than he, the one who does not have salvation. And he puts it, this is really pretty plain. For it comes in vanity and departs in darkness, that is not having that hope, comes in vanity, departs in darkness, and its name is covered with darkness. Though it, the stillborn, has yet to see the sun or know anything, this has more rest than that man, the guy without salvation, the hope of salvation. Okay, Even if he lives a thousand years twice but has not seen goodness, even if he lives a thousand years twice and does not have God, he won't... It's, it's done. He says, do not all go to the same place. Again, Solomon has said this before, meaning our bodies all break down, all turn to dust. Okay, we all turn to dust. What matters is your soul. All this other stuff, you know, it's good to take care of our bodies and try and be in shape and all this stuff. But what matters is our soul. Because every single one of us has our days numbered. Okay, as my father would say, uh, the process begins as soon as you hit the air. You will die. There is, I'm sorry, but that is the, the deal. You're going to die. But your soul is what matters. This fleshly body does not. Verse 7, all the labor of man is his mouth, and yet the soul is not satisfied. Okay, now we're going to go to the book of Matthew chapter 4, and this is talking about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, where it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he, Jesus, answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. Note, when, and if you keep going on down through this, it's, it's not a bad chapter to read. Matthew chapter 4. You'll notice that every time the devil comes up with something, what does Jesus do? Quotes scripture. Hmm. What does that say for us when we're tempted? We ought to have these things planted in our brain. Wouldn't it be a bad idea to have these things planted in our brain so that we can withstand these temptations because we get tempted. You know, we do. It's, it's kind of interesting. Jesus was tempted in every manner in which we are, yet he did not sin. Okay? And the thing that he did when Satan is tempting him, is quote, Scripture. So it's probably not a bad idea to be in God's Word, which is what we're doing, right? That's why we're here, is to be in God's Word and increase these things. All right. Now, 
For what more has a wise man than a fool? What does the poor man have? Who knows how to walk before the living? Adam Clark says the necessities of life are the same for both, and their condition in life is nearly similar, liable to the same diseases, disillusion, and death. Again, what difference does it make? How how rich you are or not. Okay. Verse 9. Better is the sight of eyes than the wandering of desire. This also is vanity in grasping for the wind. Uh, New Living Translation says, Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like the chasing of the wind. Okay. it's It's back to... Contentment ain't getting what you want, it's wanting what you got. Hmm. Whatever one is, verse 10, he has been named already, for it is known that he is man, and he cannot contend with him who is mightier than he. For those of you who are reading along, you'll notice him in this instance is a capital H, him meaning God, that's a capital H, him, we cannot contend with God who is mightier than uh, mightier than us. Hmm. Since there are many things that increase vanity, how is man better? Okay. Again, uh, Solomon is realizing folly in placing trust in material things and not God. Verse 12. For who knows what is good for a man in life all the days his all the days of his vain life which he passes like a shadow who can tell a man what will happen under the sun well let's see <laughs> just so happens we can look at second timothy chapter 1 and we're going to be reading verses 8 through 12, where it says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. This is Paul writing this, okay? But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But it has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer for these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day, meaning the the day that Jesus returns again. Solomon isn't looking over here. He says, who can tell what will happen to him under the sun? Well, those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we will be united with him either when we die or when he returns. And it wouldn't hurt my feelings if he returned a bit sooner than later. Keep us from doing some suffering, but it's not ours to say. Again, for those who get this idea, and it's easy to do, 
we are, you know, I've been asked often, well, do you think we're in the end times? Yes. But we have been in the end times since 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. The desolation, the abomination of desolation happened then. Okay? So what does this mean? Does it look like it's closer? I would think so. But Jesus did say, not, 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 I don't know about it. Only the Father knows. You know. So what does it say? Is keep a watchful eye. Back down to it. Real simple. I do things in a simple manner. Be prepared. We need to know where we're going. We need to know and we need to, to, uh, communicate to our friends and loved ones that it all comes down to what do you do with Jesus? Okay. If you deny Jesus, you're going to hell. It's real simple. I'm, it's no sense beating around the bush. You're going to hell. If you recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior, believe in him, put your trust in him, you're going to go to heaven. Uh, you know, I think it's kind of a no brainer. I'd much rather go to heaven than rotten hell. Uh, and those are two real places. Okay. Questions, comments, smart aleck remarks. I do have something here is next week. We will spend some time in Luke 2. Prayers for Jim Davis, who's in hospice. Oh, my goodness gracious. Our friend Jim Davis is in, that just came up on there. Thank you, Jim, uh, is in hospice. You know, Jim Jim had a pretty rough time here a number of years ago, and he's hung in there for some time. So he's another one of my hot rodder friends who uh, radically changed by Jesus Christ. What a wonderful man. So let's pray as, as he's in hospice. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we lift up our brother Jim. Just wrap your loving arms around him. Give him the... Uh, comfort that only you can provide uh, and be with the family and give them the comfort to Lord. I know he knows you. I know he's going to be with you in that day. And he'll probably be looking down saying, what are you guys doing messing around? Stand there for our friend, Jim, and for everybody in the family and all of his friends. I just pray the comfort, that peace that surpasses all understanding that you only provide. Pray this in Jesus. name. Amen. Um, with that, a, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God, and the community of all the saints be with you now and forever. Amen.